Thank you for having me. It's a great privilege to be able to have a fellowship and share the message with all of us. And frankly speaking, I have to confess that Wisconsin, um, that's the first time I'm here. <laughs> the closest I got. <laughs> the closest I got is uh, Chicago. Um, but I know that since I live in Orange County, I try to keep away from Los Angeles as far as possible, right? <laughs> I know what you feel. <laughs> uh, 1969, that was 50 years ago. I was 14 years old at that time. In July 21st, in the evening time, I was watching a very small black and white screen. Our family wasn't uh, that well off, so we didn't even own a TV set. I snuck in into my neighbors. They have a small black and white TV. As I watched that TV, I saw a guy climbing on, climbing off the ladder, extend his feet, one foot on the surface, he declared, there's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. I was so touched. I was so shocked. I made the secret wish. That was my secret dream. One day, I want to work for that organization sending men to that surface. Men landing on the moon, July 20th, and then on July 21st, actually stepped on the moon, Neil Armstrong made that declaration. The same year, 1969, I was 14. I was uh, in the youth group. Uh, by the way, I'm a fifth-generation Christian. I was born in Taiwan. My, both my father and mother, my parents fled China, fled communist China to Taiwan. And so I was born in, China, uh, born in Taiwan, although I'm an ethnic Chinese, but nowadays I'm American. But if you ask me really who you are, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> we all are, right? <laughs> so um, I still remember that year, um, our youth group went together to watch a gospel movie. At the end of the movie, a pastor extended two altar calls. The first altar call is to the people who want to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some people raised their hand, walked the aisle. And the second time, he extended another altar call. Whoever wants to live for Christ, I'm willing to serve him in his life. I raised my hand. I walked the aisle to the front. Let me fast forward a little bit. In 1982, I had an opportunity, was almost in unthinkable at the time. Since I was in Taiwan, Taiwan doesn't have a space program at all. Taiwan actually was constantly under threat of being attacked by communist China. But in 1982, God gave me an opportunity. I was able to come to this country and to study for my PhD program. They even offered me the full scholarship, including full teaching fellowship. Actually, I was uh, teaching in the university, and I was given the, 
the full scholarship, teaching fellowship, and the round trip airfare. Wow, <laughs> blow my mind. Fast forward again for five years. After five years, I got my PhD, and I got an offer from NASA. My dream. As the first day, I walked into my office. My boss in NASA took me to my lab and said, James, let me take you to your lab and let you see it. He opened the door. It was an empty bay, a huge room, empty bay. He said, James, that's your lab. Your responsibility is to step it and equip it. So I filled that lab with all the equipment and staff it. Eventually, I led 38 scientists and engineers doing robotics research for Johnson Space Center and established eight robotics labs. Then fast forward again. In 2001, when I was 45, when I was 45, and suddenly there was a time my pastor, actually my senior pastor, one day called me into his office. He said, I already accept a call from a church in New York. It's a very large church. As soon as I heard that, I know it's a, a church more than 1,000 people with uh, several congregations. And it's a, by the way, it's the first Baptist church. I called a Chinese ba pastor back to be their senior pastor. I know he's going. <laughs> he's leaving. And the second word he said, James, I want you to take over. I was shocked. I said, Pastor Kwong, you've been a shepherd of a man for 15 years. I've been a shepherd of robots for 15 years. <laughs> robots do not talk back. <laughs> but after a period of prayer, about six months, and suddenly God reminded me, do you remember when you were 14 years old? You made that commitment. You want to live for me. You want to serve me in full time. I suddenly recall that. Yet, when I was 14, I had the first dream, and God allowed me to fulfill that first dream. It is a fun job, by the way. Designing robots for NASA. Big guy gave us big money to design big toys. <laughs> it was fun. But after a period of prayer and with my wife, and I gave up my NASA career and then served the role since 2001. It's been 19 years. And it's the most beautiful 19 years in my life and my wife's life. I pastored the church, as I just Pastor David mentioned, the first 14 years, I was a lay leader, and then following that, I was a pastor for the same church. I served in the same church for 28 years. Very long. And then, God called me again to serve in the mission field. And so, five years ago, I moved to California, served in Far East Broadcasting Company. Far East Broadcasting Company, I think, let me mention just a little bit, Far East Broadcasting Company was established in 1948 and by Bob Bowman and John Broger, two young men. And Bob Bowman was serving in Haven today. Back then, it's a very uh, prominent radio ministry. He's one of the quartet. Baritone. 
<laughs> sing very, very well. So I may still have a one or two copies of uh, his CD on the table. So as you walk out, pick up a copy of uh, our newsletter, and we have a lot of material uh, on display of them. So 1945, he uh, has a, a vision. It's a right after World War II. He has a vision. He said, if uh, a gospel broadcasting works in the U.S., we should use the same tool in China. So he want to establish radio in China and broadcasting gospel messages to all over China. So he went to China in 1945, established a company called Far East Broadcasting Company, went to China, applied for license for many years, but didn't get approved. And finally, he gave up. Gave up. So he went to Philippines, and he was able to build up a full radio station and the radio tower and the strongest radio station from so the surplus military equipment. <laughs> he built up that work, that radio station almost cost nothing, but God is so gracious. Then we started to broadcast in 1949, July 29th. 1949, July 29th, we started to broadcast to China. And China is our first ministry in Far East Broadcasting. Then 1949 is also a very important day. October 1st, 1949, Mao Zedong standing on Tiananmen Square declared the establishment of a People's Republic of China. Communists took over China, and then Bob Bowman suddenly realized why God stopped him from building the radio station in China. If the, the station, the gospel station was in China, it would be confiscated. Soon after that, uh, 1949, the people being uh, the Christians, I mentioned about talking about that, but all the missionaries were kicked out from the China. And our first wave of broadcasters are those missionaries from China. <laughs> and since that day, 1949, July 29th, now to today is 70 years, we have never stopped even a single day and broadcasting gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ to China for 70 years. In 1949, it was estimated in China there were about one million Christian. Christian population was very small, only one million Christians. Today, 70 years later, it's about 70, 70 million Christians. So 70 years, 70 times under communist Government is God at work. Amen. So don't be afraid. Be strong. And God has given us Chinese Christians and a great commission. So if you notice that, I put the, the word as pray for Chinese people and Chinese churches. I know some of people, some of us, when I say us, because I stand here as American. I've been in this country since 19, 1982, 
37 years, even longer than I was in Taiwan. I'm American, I'm a naturalized citizen, I'm American. So I say that as American. Many of us in our heart, consciously or unconsciously, you may feel that China, China is our enemy. China is an atheist country. China is at war with us. President Trump is at trade war with China. <laughs> Why do we care about China? Why do we need to pray for China? Well, let me say in this way. Let's separate Chinese government, whatever the ruling government, and the people. Let's pray for Chinese people and Chinese churches. Do we need to pray for the rulers of China? I will give you some illustration. It took less than 300 years for the greatest persecutor of the church that was Roman Empire, right? Took less than 300 years and the Roman Empire itself turned into Christianity, became a Christian nation. God is at work. So we pray for the people in China. We pray for churches in China. Yes, indeed, it is in persecuted nations area and it is in 1040 windows. And Chinese history was so long, 4,000 years. It's a great challenge. I need to cover that within 40 minutes. <laughs> so let me... Uh, just make it brief. First of all, I would like to share with you, China is not an atheist country. Chinese people has never been atheist until 70 years ago. If you go to Beijing, you can visit a place called Temple of Heaven. That is during the empirical time, every year the emperor will go to that Temple of Heaven and dedicate sacrificial animals and worship God. Chinese people know there's only one God, one heaven, um, but just doesn't know who he is. <laughs> so if you go to China, you can see there. And you go to the, the temple of heaven, you walk, look inside, there's no idol in there. There's an altar, there's no idol in that temple. So Chinese people, are not atheists. It is political propaganda. Chinese people believed in God for thousands, thousands of years. Until 70 years ago, it's just a political system and government declared China to be atheist. So please understand, most of Chinese people, they are not atheists. They just don't know to believe. <laughs> they are very receptive to gospel. And let me just uh, zoom in so easier to uh, look at and easier to understand. And Jesus Christ was born, of course, 1 AD, and then it's about West Han Dynasty. And Jesus Christ crucified, raised again, and then gave the Great Commission ascend to heaven, and it's about 30 AD, 30 something AD, there was an East Han Dynasty. And shortly after that, shortly 
from the archaeological find, we saw that probably around 100 or 200 AD, we already see some evidence, some evidences of Christianity already present in China. Merely about 70, 80 years later, already in China. We say, how come we never learned that in our history? Let me share with you some history of a church of East. So, uh, and then we have uh, 635, we have solid evidence, actually historical record, even a monument showing that Christianity came to China. So for most of us, we probably are more familiar with uh, Paul's journey and brought the gospel all around the Mediterranean Sea and all the way to Rome. How going east? But actually, church did expand eastward. But most of us, we are familiar with the church of the west because our tradition from, frankly speaking, Roman Catholic church, and we split away out from Reformation in about 1500. So that split is from Roman Catholic Church tradition. So we are familiar with church history mostly on the west side over there. How about east side? On the east side, actually, there was the first kingdom was established, an Assyrian kingdom called Adissa Kingdom. They were the first whole nation except Jesus Christ on the east. And then you will see the map. The church actually are there's four large groups. One is Roman Catholic Church, Deep Purple, and Light Purple, Eastern Orthodox Church. Then do you see the brown part? That's Coptic Church. The church actually came south to North Egypt. At one time, Christianity was a majority in Egypt. Even up to now, there are 25 to 30% of our population in Egypt they are Coptic Christians. So that's a Coptic church. Then they see a large area, a large swath of uh, yellow area. That's probably the part you have never heard of. It's Church of the East. Or sometimes we call Nestorian Church. Nestorian Church, uh, in Roman Catholic tradition, uh, saying that they are heretic, but actually now they recant it even in 1984, they have a joint declaration and detail, they inspect all the doctrines and then Church of the East actually accept the creed of the Council of Chalcedon. So there's no major difference between the Eastern Church of East and Church of West whatsoever. So Nestorian Church is not heretic, okay? Let me, let me say that. And the Nestorian church, they are very fervent missionaries. And then they are the one actually brought the gospel message from west to east. If you notice that, the Silk Road on the east side of that is a Chang'an, it's current day Xi'an. On the west side, you will see Antioch. Yes, indeed. And the missionaries of Nestorian Church brought the, the gospel message all the way from Antigua all the way to Chang'an. So on current day, if you go to the uh, museum, you will see there's a museum 
showing that there's a mirror and from archaeological inspection, it's around about 200 AD. On the mirror, even there's an inscription showing that making a godly mirror, worshiping one heaven, the Holy Mother watching the Son of Man and having the glory of the King. And you need to make decision, so to be, to require, to make decision, to be born again. It's on the inscription of a, uh, a bronze mirror. It's in the museum in China. And then, on historical record, and gospel was brought in by the missionary to Chang'an in the year of 635. On year 635, they came to Chang'an and then built up churches and under the imperial court's uh, uh, help, they actually built 10 churches and spread the gospel around. And that lasts until about 845, for about 200 something years. So about 781, they built a Nestorian Christianity monument. It's called Nestorian Steel. And then on the monument, details all the Christianity, how the Christianity came into China. But that monument was buried in year of 845 because of great persecution of the emperor. After 200 years, then in the Tang Dynasty, Emperor Wu persecuted not only Christianity, all the foreign religions, including Buddhism. So closed down all the temples, closed down all the Christian churches, and carried out all the missionaries from China. So that monument was buried on year of 845, was not rediscovered in year of 1625. And nowadays, you can go to Xi'an, actually going to see that monument. If you want to see that, before you go to Xi'an, you say Xi'an is too far, it take too long, I have a copy of that in bag. In a poster, about this size, with every letters of that, so if you want to see it. And you're uh, welcome to take a copy, make any free, free will donation, how about that? <laughs> and I have a full translation, so I have two pages, uh, four pages of full translation, English translation attached to it. Take a look. So that's the year of 635. On the historical record, and Christianity and were well received in China, but were persecuted and were kicked out of China from 845. And from that time on, the second time came into uh, China. China was in Yuan Dynasty, that's a Mongolian empire, but for a very short period of time, only about 100 years. And then they were kicked out again. And not until 1582, that's the first Roman Catholic missionary came to China called Matteo, Matteo Ricci. Matthew Ricci came to China and established a very good mission, uh, ministry and actually brought several imperial court officers to be Christians, Catholic Christians. 
And for our Protestant Christianity, we have to wait a little bit more. Not until 1807. 1807 was the first Protestant missionary came to China, Robert Morrison. Robert Morrison came to China, labored for 27 years. Very harsh environment, and Qing Dynasty government restricting in a very small area in Macau. Can, it doesn't allow him to go anywhere. But he knows what is the most important thing is to translate the Bible, the whole Bible into Chinese. So Robert Morrison was the first one translate the whole Bible into Chinese, Protestant Chinese Bible, his first one. He is also, in the way, because he learned Chinese so well, he's the first one author the Chinese-English dictionary. <laughs> he's also the first one author a Chinese grammar. <laughs> In his whole life, it was a very difficult. 27 years serving in China, he was able to baptize 10 believers. But out of those 10 believers, there were very solid Christians, including the first ministers he ordained, Reverend Liang Fa, <laughs> in China. And through his uh, work, and Cambridge University awarded him a Doctor of Doctrine because of his contribution in Scientology and his mission work. And his, although you thought it's only 10 people being converted in 27 years, but those 10 people bear fruit and multiply and multiply. And the next thing you probably heard, the picture of that, is James Hudson Taylor. James Hudson Taylor came to, uh, came to the China about second half of uh, uh, 1800. He said, as a child at age of five, when I am a man, I mean to be a missionary and go to China. His zeal and conviction also inspired a whole group of missionaries went with him, including this called Cambridge Seven. Seven most outstanding graduates from Cambridge University joined him, joined the China Inland Mission, went to China and be missionaries. They are the best. And, but it's not easy. The most difficult time came in 1900, if you heard, heard that, Box Rebellion. Boxers, they are a group of a really like bandit. They practice martial arts and they cheated the imperial code and uh, the bullet will not penetrate them. When they <laughs> practice the, the Chinese martial arts, the bullet will not even penetrate them. So the imperial court, the endowager Cixi, Empress Endowager Cixi, actually enlisted them to attack embassies all the foreign embassies and declare war to eight nations. So that caused eight nations joint force invaded China and almost divided up the China like a piece of a pie. But even through that process, God is at work. There's a one country 
was against other imperial forces. That's United States. United States said, no, don't divide up China. We just encourage China and educate China, encourage them to open up to the Western civilization. So for every nation, as for compensation and retribution and money from China, almost worth 10 years of national income of China. So every nation asking for that. And U.S. was the only one actually returned it. Returned to China and established the Tsinghua University. And many of our leaders, including the current president and past president, are both educated in Tsinghua University. And during that time, the Boxer Rebellion time, the Boxers killed 30,000 innocent Christians and their children, including 189 missionaries and their children, the youngest one, only three years old. One third of them serving in China inland mission. So it was uh, so desperate for, for Hassan Taylor and to a point in his uh, biography, he said, he even asked God, oh Lord, take my life. Take my life. He lost so many, his best friends, his co-workers, his brothers and sisters, 80 some of them and their children. But at the end then, he refused any compensation for not only property, for any loss of property and lives. He refused it. And here is what he said. You probably have heard that word, but that word is not easy if you understand what his background it is coming from. Hassan Taylor said, if I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I have thousand lives, China can have it. Have you heard that before? Some of you did. But many of you didn't hear the, what's following that. He said, no, not China, but Christ. No, not China, but Christ. Can we do too much for him? Can we do enough for such a precious Savior, even our life? So today, I plead to you to pray for China. Same thing. No, not China, but Christ. We pray for China. We pray for Chinese people. It's not because they are so lovely <laughs> or they are so lovable. Including ourselves, are we lovable while Jesus Christ died for us? No. We pray for them because of Christ. One-fifth of the world population are Chinese. There must be a purpose. We pray that one day, we pray that will be shorter than 300 years 
and China, the whole nation will converted, will be converted to a Christian nation. I pray for that. So, because of the Boxer Rebellion, the Qing Dynasty is pretty much disintegrated. Shortly after that, only 11 years, in 1911, Dr. Shen Yat-sen led the revolt and revolution against Qing Dynasty, and Qing Dynasty was quickly dissolved. And Dr. Shen Yat-sen, by the way, if you don't know, he was educated in Hawaii, and he was baptized in Hawaii as a Christian, and later on educated in Hong Kong by a British medical school. So the first leader of the revolution was a Christian. Even Chiang Kai-shek was a Christian, do you know? <laughs> Most of people don't know, of course, <laughs> because of propaganda from the other side, right? <laughs> okay. So then quickly, Moving forward, and we know that 1911 was a republic was established and the imperial empire was overthrown. Then how come most of people will say the new China started from 1949? Because in 1949, it was a time they had civil war. And the civil war, at the end of the civil war, just after World War II, they had quickly, the civil war broke out. After civil war, civil war, and communist China, communist government won the war. And the original Republic of China, that government, fled China to Taiwan. So even today, you have two nations call themselves China. Do you know that? <laughs> One is called People's Republic of China, that is in China, communist government. The other one is a Republic of China, the original one in Taiwan. So, yeah, the history of uh, modern China didn't start from 1949, it started from 1911. Okay. So it was there for 38 years. Now, how about today? We need to fast forward. And when Mao Zedong took the power, he declared the China to be atheist. The reason why, of course, that's very simple. He didn't want to have any belief system to compete with him because he wants to be the God and God only one in China. So atheism in China is not true atheism. Atheism in China is... They don't want you to believe in the one true God, but instead they want you to believe another God that is the leader of Chinese Communist Party. Back then, was Mao Zedong. Mao was the God. Today, well, I don't elaborate. You just think about yourself. Yeah, after Mao Zedong died, and during that most difficult time, also, did church disappear? Well, actually, during that period of time, we broadcast every single day. We continue to broadcast the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to China for 70 years, including that 10 per the period of 10 years from 1967 to 1977. Then after 
1977, when suddenly they start to open up, we receive all the letters from them and from statistics shown during that period of time, and Chinese Christians has grown 10 times in 10 years during that most severe persecuted period of time. And I have seen some eyewitness witness. <laughs> when I was sharing that in a, a retreat, we broadcast the whole Bible word by word slowly to China. We actually read the Bible word by word through the, on the air through the broadcast to China. And the people over there actually listening to it and write it down, every word of that. So that's where the handwritten Bible coming from. Because all the Bible were confiscated, all pastors were arrested and sent to a labor camp. Christians were severely persecuted, but gospel did not stop. So when I shared that message, because that was before my time, 1967 to 77, I was still a young child. 77, I was in college, but that was before my time serving FEBC, of course. So after I shared that message in a retreat, a senior, uh, an elderly lady raised her hand and said, hold on, hold on, can I give a testimony? And the crowd said, of course, please come forward. And that old lady said, whatever Pastor Huang just mentioned, that's me. I was the one actually listening to your broadcasting of whole Bible, word by word. But the problem is I, I'm illiterate. I cannot jog it down. I cannot write it down. So we have uh, four Christians. Three of us are illiterate. We ask one of them, does recognize, does it's illiterate, doesn't know words, so help us to listen to it and write it down the passage for us. So next day, she will teach us to recite the whole passage, and we will learn every letter, every character from them. At the end, she recognized every single character in the Bible, from illiterate to literate. But she still cannot read newspaper because there are a lot of characters in newspaper. It's not in Bible. <laughs> Yes, yes, God is at work even in most difficult time, most persecuted time. And then fast forward, Mao Dai, Tung Teng took office from Deng Xiaoping, Jiang Zemin, Hu Jintao for three terms. They, opening, they opened up China and had an economic reform. During that period of time, indeed, China was more open um, to the Western society during that time, there's a lot of uh, Western short-term missionaries were able to went in there as an English teacher to teach English. Yeah, that was a time, but not anymore. The things changed in 2013. 2000, during that period of time, even some house churches were able to grow to a very large house churches. They no longer meet in church a small house gathering, instead they meet in a business building, they actually lease the whole floor of a business building and convert inside into a church. So even from outside you look at it, it doesn't look like a church building, but inside is church, just like that. They were able to do that, and the things changed in 2013. 2013 is the latest, the latest president, she took office, took power, 
And then there was a one TV documentary even on 2013. That episode is called Silent Contest. In that episode, in that documentary, they mentioned the Christian population in China is approaching 100 million. At the time, Chinese Communist Party members has only 90 million. So you understand what is silent contest. They feel threatened. So from 19, 2013, from that time on, in past six years, you see all the things happening is based on this. They don't want to have any belief system to, in competition with communism in China. So she himself even hosted the Religious Affairs National Summit and gave a very clear instruction we need to proactively to guide relations to be compatible with socialism. The socialism, Chinese socialism in China means Chinese Communist Party's rule. And it is a major mission of our nation's insistence of a sinicization of the religion. So that's why you have seen a lot of things from the outside and church cross being knocked down, churches building being destroyed. But that's, frankly speaking, is still a small percentage. I would say roughly estimate maybe less than 5%. Less than 5% of that. So what is the major strategy? It's being enforced. It's not from the outside. It's from inside. They want to change what Christian believes. So the major strategy right now is uh, to write up all the government control, the three self-patriotic movement churches, and gather all their pastors and give them the re-education. What is re-education about? To teach those pastors to how to preach communism in the church. To preach the Christianity need to obey the government's rule. To pre preach the Christianity to be compatible with the Chinese socialism. Then, ban all the youth, anyone under 18 years old, come into anything close, anywhere closing, even close to a church building. There's no one, if you nowadays you go to Chinese church, in China, it's a, it's a government censor open church. You go in there, there's a no young people there. No one under 18 years old will be allowed to go in there. Think about that. Why? You won't have next generation. If we cut out the whole generation, anyone under 18 years old, your church, you will just die out. A bunch of elderly leave them alone. That's fine. So that's what's happening. 
That is what's happening. When we're talking about persecution, a lot of time we thought about being put into jail, building being destroyed, being beaten up. But nowadays, even more important persecution is you have to change your belief from believing one God, Jesus Christ, to believing another one God, that is Chinese Communist Party. So, whatever we have seen is based on this framework. They have step of step strategy how to execute. That's their five years plan currently, and then they have a next five years plan. The next five years plan will include retranslate the Chinese Bible. Okay. So yes, today, churches in China, we are in a bitter cold winter. How can we pray for churches and peoples in China? Let me share with you the first, the first pray for rulers. You say, why do we want to pray for those atheist rulers? Recall again, Roman Empire. <laughs> Greatest persecutor of Christianity in 300 years. And God changed rulers' heart and nation changes. We need to pray for rulers. Third, second, we'll pray for those in chains. Our brothers, yes, brothers and sisters, they are in chance. I won't elaborate more, and you, can, you will understand. And pray for, they stand firm on their faith. I think that's the most important thing. All the persecution from the outside, even through the Cultural Revolution, they stand firm through there. But now this wave is to change what's inside. Pray that they will stand firm on their faith. What can we do? First, of course, we can dedicate our resource, your money, your effort, your time to support them, to help them, including, probably it's hard to see, in the background, the picture is L drop. When you, what is the, you can drop the message and material and teaching material continuously to a restricted area. What is that? Gospel broadcasting. Through radio, through cell phone, we have developed 20-something different venues to broadcast and to transmit. And what can we do? Reach out to those surrounding us. That is the first group of Chinese international students. They were very, very young. Were sent to US 200-something years ago. <laughs> Many of them become the prominent leaders in China. So even Deng Xiaoping, he studied in France when he was young. Think about that. During the time when he studied in France, what he learned is not communism, instead, Jesus Christ. And China will be a very different place, isn't it? And tomorrow's Deng Xiaoping is around us. At any time, there will be about 300,000 Chinese international students, Chinese students study in this country. 
that are right next to you. You probably say, no, I don't see it. It's not over here. Well, within one hour driving distance. Also, even, I would say, in every major city, within one hour distance, you will have a university, right? From here, I know there's a 45 minutes, there's a university, right? If you have a university, you have a bunch of Chinese students there. <laughs> you have the opportunity to reach out to them. How do, you, how do you do that? You say, I don't even know Chinese. As you walk out, I have a, a broad in some interlinear Bible, Chinese and English together. You know the English verses very well, right? So all, even you don't speak Chinese, you can talk to someone. Actually, all those Chinese students, they want to talk to you. They want to learn, Chinese, learn English. So as you talk to him in English, you can open the Bible, you point to that English verse and ask him to write it in Chinese version. Why don't you teach me how to say in Chinese for me? Yes, you have the opportunity to reach out to them. And last but not least, and Jesus Christ called us to be a fisher's man. A lot of time do we just stay being a fisher's fish? Focus on our work, our job, our life. Can we pause a moment to think about to be fishers of men? Thank you very much. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for the ministry of Far East Broadcasting. I thank you for Dr. Wong and Mrs. Wong as they minister to us to minister. But above all, Lord, we thank you that your gospel still goes to China and there is a church and no government will prevail against it. It may beat it down. It may make it difficult. It may suppress them, but it won't stop them. We ask you for the people that are in change that you would encourage them. We would ask you for the millions and millions of Christians that they will stay strong even when they're re-educated and when it becomes socially embarrassing and economically difficult that they would stand for truth. And then, Lord, we would be so bold for the fall of the atheistic communism government that they would recognize and open up that world to Christians. Father, we praise you and thank you for what we've heard and learned. We've, there's a lot of stuff here. But Lord, Tate, let us take something home that we can remember. And may we remember to pray for China when we buy and look at labels and look at the labels in our clothes. As a reminder, you will use that for us to pray for our brothers in China and for the Chinese people around the world. In Jesus' name I pray. For Amen. your glory and your glory alone. Amen. 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 Amen.